Amen. I told you it was time to go home. No use me running that. That was great. Amen. If he was just a little bit better looking, there's no telling. He might have a profession of singing or something, you know. In your Bible today, for the next 25 minutes and a little. Just kidding. I want to read for you just a few verses of Scripture. We continue our study in the book of John entitled, Why Christianity is Special. I'm glad that Christianity is far above any other religion, cult, anything to do with religiosity. I'm glad that Christianity is head and shoulders above all the rest. The main reason is our God is not dead. He is very much alive. And so I continue the service, uh, the sermon series entitled, Why Christianity is Special. Today, I'd like to title the message, if it would be all right, and I've already done it, so I guess it will be all right. Listen now carefully at the title. Because if you miss the title, you miss the whole thing. Don't take Christ out of your crises. Don't take Christ out of your crises. You say, well, I'm not in a crisis. Just hang in there. They will come to the rich, to the poor, to the young and the old, to the married, the unmarried. Crises will come. And perhaps as I speak right at this moment, there are families, husbands and wives, Parents and children are having or in a crisis. Not knowing which way to turn. Not knowing to whom to turn. Could I please encourage you today out of John 16... Verse 32 and 33. Could I please encourage you when the economy is down, social services are being cut, major corporations are falling apart at the seams, technology is obsolete in things that we thought were tremendous yesterday and we're still making payments on today. Families are in disarray. The stock market is, whoo. Even the Pledge of Allegiance is being threatened to remove under God out of our Pledge of Allegiance. And even uh, Martha Stewart 
who at one time seemed invincible financially, suffered a crisis lately. Behold, verse 32, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone or by myself, because the Father, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, I think we ought to write in our Bible right there. Hallelujah. Now that won't be inspired, but it'll be a a right word at the right time. The early church, as we read in the Bible, was blessed beyond measure. Just starting with a handful of folks, the first church with 11 faithful members. Turned the then known world upside down for Christ. Acts chapter 3, 3,000 are saved. Acts chapter 4, 5,000 are saved. Acts chapter 5 and 4, multitudes are saved. Growing at leaps and bounds. And God did bless that early church. Joys and victories abounded on every hand. Yet, When we enter into Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, we see a crisis. Persecution has arisen. The Jews are jealous and mad and envious. The high priests are on a rampage and the church is being persecuted. I wonder how many of us in this place today are facing a crisis, a storm maybe having a bad day, having a bad week. I think today I'd like to encourage every one of us that there is and will be and are going to be crises. But be of good cheer. Don't sweat it. Don't give yourself nervous breakdowns worrying about it. Get off of Twitter and get on your knees. Get out of space book and get in God's book. Be of good cheer. (laughs) Somebody said, I have overcome the world. Can anybody say amen? Yeah, the apostle Paul, you know, he was having a bad day when he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, you know, I've been put in jail often. I've been whipped times without numbers, faced death again and again. Five times I received 39 lashes. He's having a bad day. The Bible says that he was stoned and beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was adrift and uh, he was weary and in danger in cities and deserts and stormy seas. What am I trying to say to you? Listen to me real good. Life is hard. Life is hard. 
You say, how can I tell? I'm looking at your faces. Did you know that your face gives your heart away? Some of you wives give your husband's day away. Life is hard. Crises come. Troubles, trials, persecutions. Sometimes trials and temptations come just to see what we're made out of. James chapter 1, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Guys, do you want your wife to be more patient? Do you know what you're going through right now? God may be seeing what you've made out of. God may see if your faith is what it ought to be. You say, preacher, I didn't tithe today. Well, you failed that one. (laughs) Visitors, please bow your head just a minute. I want our folks to see what you're supposed to do in church. Amen, preacher. You say, well, preacher, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes they come... For God's glory. The Bible said, unto Him be glory. World without end. Amen. So uh, whatever is coming our way may be to check our faith. To see if we're going to hang in there. To see if what we have is real or if it's counterfeit. I wonder if maybe your faith is real or counterfeit. And God may be testing that. Not only that, sometimes God sends trials and crises our way just to see, just to see if we'll give God the glory. Sometimes He sends us crises to get us to come to the end of ourselves. Put you in a hole where you can't get out of. A dark hole where you can't see out of. And you just absolutely forgot to bring your cell phone into the hole. So you and the hole is all there is. And you can't wiggle out of the hole. The more you wiggle, the deeper you get in the hole. And the more you tell your wife you're sorry, the more she realizes you really are. And she won't forgive you, then that's double sorry. And the more you wiggle and the deeper you get, then sometimes there ain't nobody in that hole but just you. And you find out that you can't get out, you can't climb out, you can't buy out, you can't jump out. And that's when you need God. And sometimes God brings a crisis in our way we cannot handle all by ourselves. And it brings us to the end of ourselves. And in our desperation, we cry out, dear God, help us. Let me ask you something. Are you in something right now you can't get out of? Are you in something right now that you can't fix? He said, preach, I'm working on it. Won't you quit? Look what a job you've already done. Folks come to my office and say, preacher, what can I do to fix my marriage? I said, nothing. 
You've done enough already. That's why you're in here. You've been doing it. You've been singing that song. I could handle this job all by myself. Well, how's it working? Crises will come. And sometimes they come to see what we're made out of. Sometimes a temptation walked down the road. Sometimes on the, on the computer, a temptation flashes in front of your eyes. Sometimes God's just trying to see what you got real or isn't it. Sometimes God is doing something for his glory. And sometimes he's just doing something to show you how bad you need God. Notice, if you would please, the text. I want to show you something. And I've got, man, I'm moving right along in this introduction. And this clock's a moving too. Pickett is sorry. He's got a countdown on this. It's not telling me what time it is. Tell me how much time I got left. <laughs> Please look at the text just a minute. Let me show you two wonderful truths. Two biblical eternal truths. Two truths that I'll guarantee if we had died yesterday, every home in this place would be happier when it left. Every individual would be more solid emotional when they left. Notice these truths in verse number 33. The first truth is, notice it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have what? Tell me again. Might have what? Where is peace? Peace is in him. Now you can't buy it. You can't swallow it. You can't counsel it. Peace is on the inside. Peace is not on the outside. Peace is something that only the divine giver of peace can give you. The prince of peace gives peace. And here is a, here is a, here is a truth, eternal truth. Until you find the prince of peace, you will have no permanent peace. You may have a little joy temporarily. You may have a little tickling of the, uh, of the backbone. You may have a few chill bumps running down your spine. You may have what you think you want for just a minute, but you put it down until you've got the Prince of Peace. You will have no permanent peace. Now the world offers you something else. The world promises you one thing, gives you another. The world says, if you get enough of me, you can be fulfilled. I just wonder, how much money is enough? How much illicit sex is enough? Does a sex fiend just fulfill his desires, her desires, once and it's all over and they're happy forever? Does a money-hungry, grubbing uh, uh, individual just get so much and says, that's enough? The world offers you one thing. And Jesus said, in the world, you shall have what? Boy, my tribulations got weak. Well, I don't know what's going on in my life. This is the string, the light bulb's up there. Click. You know what's going on in your life? The world is going on in your life. The world's got you brainwashed. 
the God of this world hath blinded your minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through, and the peace of all peace, the giver of eternal peace, could rush in and give you peace that passeth all understanding. Well, I thought that deserved a better amen than that. I could have been preaching at Dr. McElroy's church and they had have said amen, hallelujah, and probably stood up and said glory to God. Around here, what do I get? Amen. <laughs> Let me ask something. What about that statement, don't you understand? In me, you shall have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. Now tell me, uh, what about that deep statement, don't you understand? You want me to think about it a minute? If you've got tribulation, you know where it's coming from? You got problems. You know where they're coming from? They're coming from the world. I just thought you might ought to see that. Notice the certainty of crisis. You shall have tribulation. Certainty. My wife can have a my wife and I can have a crisis going down the freeway with her driving. She's the world's greatest tailgater in the world. 100 miles an hour. That's okay with me. Two foot from the guy in front, that scares the devil out of me. One foot, it is a tremendous crisis in the front seat of the truck. Me and my wife know how to develop a crisis. And when we develop a crisis, it is a major deal. We don't care who knows about it. <laughs> Come on now. I don't know. Your folks' halo's kind of crooked. You need to wet, loosen up just a little bit. Crises will come. The good news is, be of good cheer. I have overcome your crisis. Now, what is it can you and I learn about crisis in the next five minutes? Nothing. <laughs> Let me help you now. For five minutes, what can we learn today in our crisis? What can we learn today? What's Christ trying to do in our crises. A Christian should never look at the crisis, but should look at Christ in the crisis. You see what I mean? Don't look at the crisis. Look at Christ. First of all, I want to leave this with you. Crisis is a means whereby God is revealed to us. The Bible said, out of his troubles, David made his cry unto the Lord. In the furnace of fire, three faithful Hebrew children. Yes, they were. They said, we will not bow 
We will not burn. We will not compromise. And God, somehow or another, let those four godly young men in bondage in Babylon, four godly young men, as godly as you can imagine, and they live in for Christ, and suddenly a crisis appear. And the crisis is in the form of a fiery, hot, furnace and they said we will not bow they kept looking to Christ in the crisis they said we will not bow they began to look at Christ in the crisis we will not burn and they threw him in the fire and Daniel 3:25 and said did not we throw Three in that fire, the king said. And they said, yes. He said, well, that's strange. I see four men in that fire, loose and walking around. And the fourth has the image of the Son of God. Don't take Christ out of your crisis. Oh, it was early in the morning. When the wicked king came to the lion's den and said, Daniel, Daniel, is thou God able to deliver thee? And Daniel said, O king, the God whom I serve has sent an angel and give the lion's lockjaw. And I've written a song, I could have stayed all night. Where did Daniel find God? In his crisis? Where did the Hebrew children find God in their crisis? When was God revealed to them? On the hilltop? No. In their crisis. Would you today just look for Jesus in your crisis? Quit complaining. Quit blaming. Quit procrastinating. And learn what God wants you to learn. He's trying to reveal himself in your crisis. Boy, that's better than snuff, not near as dusty. Amen. Crisis? Oh, yes. Could I please leave this with you? Crisis is a ministry whereby growth is revealed. Crisis is a ministry whereby my spiritual growth is revealed. Anybody can tithe when they got a lot of money, extra. Anybody can shout praise God, hallelujah, when all the kids are happy and the wife is out of town. Anybody can sing hallelujah when old grump is asleep. But I tell you, what crisis do, does for a Christian, crisis reveals how close you're walking with Christ. Crisis reveals your lack of of faith. Here's the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? Except he. 
who has been born again or believes in God. Oh, let me tell you something. Please don't get mad at me. But crisis really reveals the object of your faith. Well, I can buy my way out of this one. God can fix that. I've got a good lawyer. God can fix that. Well, I'm a good con man. God can fix that. Crisis is the means whereby God reveals himself to us. Crisis is a ministry whereby God reveals our faith. And lastly, crisis is a message whereby grace is received. I have no crisis. I need no grace. I don't need God if I can handle this job all by myself. Second Corinthians 12. I think you know it. I'll read it for you. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh a crisis something Paul couldn't handle himself for this I besought the Lord thrice isn't it strange when a crisis comes our prayer life increases you'd be surprised when a wife kicks a husband out how that improves my prayer life. Because the husbands always want me to pray for him. Didn't ask me to pray for him while he was running her off. I know this is Labor Day, folks. Amen, Reverend. You got that right. Yes, sir. That's a God's truth. A few years ago, honest. I had a wife leave a husband. I was out of town in a revival meeting. And I don't know how many times throughout the day, this guy would call and say, Preacher, I need your prayers. And I'd pray. Finally, I just said, Sir, thank your wife for leaving you because it's improved my prayer life immensely. (laughs) Isn't it strange? I said, Isn't it strange? How that a crisis improves our spirituality. Before the crisis, we don't even consider God. In the crisis, we're so close to God, we know exactly what God ought to be doing right now. Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice, and I got a message. God said, I'm not removing your crisis, Paul. I'm just going to give you grace to go through it. Instead of praying, God, get me out of here, why don't you pray, God, get in here with me? See, crisis will come. I got one minute. What you think of this? 
I want you to think about this. In your crisis where you are, have you even considered Christ? Wow. Have you even considered Christ? Whatever you do today, could I encourage you to do something? Don't leave Christ out of your crisis. I've spoken these sayings that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good charity. I'd answer that if that was mine, wouldn't you? You're not going to bother me. It might be Obama wanting some advice from me. And he knew you'd have your phone on. Okay, let's nail her down. Number one, crisis reveals God. Crisis, growth is reached. Crisis, grace is received. It's 12 o'clock right on the button. Would you believe that? And I'm going to read you my closing statement. I didn't write it. I just read it. Listen to this. Don't take Christ out of your crisis. If you're saved, God has a purpose for your crisis. If you're not saved, God has a purpose for your crisis. It's in your crisis, God reveals himself to you. It's in your crisis, it ministers and reveals your growth. In your crisis, God is standing with outreached arms, extending grace to you who are saved and unsaved alike. Can I read just one or two verses and show you what I'm talking about? Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas had been preaching the gospel, not robbing banks, not stealing children, not prostituting slaves. They have been preaching the gospel. And the Bible said, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Would you say that might be a crisis? Would you say if they came in here today and got us and threw us in jail, incarcerated us, whipped us, beat us, mistreated us, and threw us into jail, that would be a crisis. Saved people have crises. Now notice if you would please. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Would you say that is grace extended? Amen. Would you say that is grace extended and received and exemplified in the jailhouse at midnight with blood-ridden backs in stocks in the jailhouse, cold and damp? They could be complaining, but they're not. They're singing and praying. That is grace. Amen. When one of your children... Get sick and you have no answer. 
You can praise God anyhow because of grace. You can be down, you can be, you can feel sorrow, you can feel hurt, but grace, marvelous grace, wonderful grace will make you sing when things don't look like they're going right. Grace extended. Well, how about a sinner who does not know the Lord? What does crisis do for him? Thought you'd never ask. Let me read. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands are loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners have fled. Now there is a lost person in a crisis and the only way he know is out is taking his own life. And Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we all hear. And he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and grace shall be extended. In your crisis, grace, marvelous grace, amazing grace, saving grace, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Preacher, what am I doing in this crisis? You ought to be listening. 